Chiefs week, Raider Nation. What's going on? Today is Thursday, October 8, 2020, and this is the Angry Raider Podcast. I'm Eric, the Angry Raider. Thank you very much for joining me. Hit me up on Twitter at Angry Raider 2, and we'll talk football, If and we'll talk about this episode if there's anything that you agree with or disagree with. But this is Chiefs week. Always so excited for these division rivalries, especially with the Kansas City Chiefs, and this is going to be a really important game. This is a game where we're really going to understand where the Raiders are at. So the the Raiders have never really played well in the during the Derek Carr era in Kansas City. Uh, Derek Carr seems to have a curse on him in, at Arrowhead Stadium, and he's never had a good game there in his entire career. This will be now his seventh game there. He's 0-6 there, and he's never thrown for more than 223 yards, and he's thrown for, I believe, uh, what is it, like four touchdowns and – seven interceptions. I don't know, something something absolutely horrible. No, it, I think it's seven touchdowns, six interceptions in his career there. It's never been pretty. In fact, the last two years, he's actually thrown as many pick sixes as he has touchdowns in the last two games that he's, that he's played there. So, And this is definitely a game where if the Raiders have any hope of winning, then Derek Carr is going to have to come out and play to the, to the level that he always plays at every week. You know, the same level that he played up against the Bills, the same level that he played up against the Saints and against the Panthers. If he does that, then the Raiders have a legitimate chance of making this game competitive and maybe even stealing a win. If he doesn't, there's going to be a nasty, nasty blowout. And just like the other uh, Kansas City Chiefs games have been for the last couple of years. So it's it's going to come down to Derek Carr. He's got a lot better talent. As I said during the, during the offseason when I was previewing the Raiders and the Chiefs, that the Raiders – with the personnel moves that they've made in the drafts and the free agencies, they have narrowed the gap between uh, talent-wise between them and the Chiefs. It isn't all the way closed, and I don't think it's even close to being all the way closed, but it's, it is a little bit narrower, whereas definitely in 2018, the Chiefs had far more talent than the Raiders did, and in 2019, they still have a lot more talent. I still believe that even here in 2020, the Chiefs still have more talent, and they have more continuity, especially this year with COVID, how important that is. But... It is a little it is a little tighter, and so I do think that the Raiders can be competitive against them and maybe even squeak out a victory. But it's going to take a lot. Good news is that coming to their aid is the helps of Henry Ruggs the third. He's coming back from injury, and he's definitely a great deep threat. Even the presence of him being out there is something that the defenses have to account for, and it just opens up everything else for Darren Waller, for Nelson Aguilar, for Hunter Renfro, and for Josh Jacobs. So it's a huge, huge boost for them. And I love the, the way that the Raiders want to use Henry Ruggs. They're not saying, all right, Henry Ruggs, go out there and be the number one wide receiver and and save this franchise. All they're saying is, hey, we've got a great offense and we just need a deep threat. And you can do that. And so, you know, just your opportunities will be there. And when the opportunities are be there, just capitalize on them and this offense will be great. And so if they're, if, uh, they're able to get a – get a couple plays out there to Henry Ruggs is going to it's going to look really really well and again if the Raiders have any hope of winning this game Derek Carr is going to have to target him and Derek Carr is going to have to get him involved and uh, and take advantage of those opportunities that will be there because they will be there teams are starting to stack the box against the Raiders uh, knowing that Derek Carr is uh, going down with the shorter to intermediate passing game and utilizing Josh Jacobs and audibility into runs and things like that if he takes his shots downfield, he's been very successful going downfield this season. And if he continues to do so, then we definitely can be competitive. So just as we've done for the last several weeks, 
uh, with the Patriots, with the Bills, and with the Saints. We have a Chiefs fan here that's going to help us uh, preview this game. His name's Scott. Anyway, I'll bring him on here in just a second. Stick around, guys. We'll be right back with Scott. All right, Raider Nation, we're back to preview the Kansas City Chiefs and Las Vegas Raiders here for week five. And just as I promised, we do have a legit Kansas City fan who is going to give us his unbiased opinion about the Kansas City Chiefs and give us a whole lot of insight. Now, Scott, I got to say, I, I'm not thrilled about having a Chiefs fan here on my podcast, but I already debased it enough with having a Patriots fan. So you can't get much lower than that. So I guess you're welcome here. Well, I appreciate you welcoming. That's for sure, Eric. I, it's, you know, I wasn't super excited to come on to a Faders podcast either, <laughs> but, you know, we take what we're given, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, the Faders, that, that, one's, that one's old and tired. You know, Chiefs fans got to come up with something a little bit different to call the Raiders than, than just the Faders. But, oh, well, well I can't we, really. We normally call them convicts, but, you know, <laughs> just as old. Okay, yeah, that one. Hey, you know what? We don't have Vontaze Burfitt on our team anymore, okay? So that's not going That's not going anywhere. But <laughs> Well, that's cool, man. So, so um, you are a fan of a team that just won the Super Bowl. Holy shit, what's that, what's that feeling like? I've, that's something as a Raiders fan I've never felt for sure. Well, you know, I've been, I've been a fan of the Chiefs since I was a kid growing up in the Kansas City area. I'm almost 40 years old now, so I've, I've, I've been here for all the horrible years, right? Uh-huh. Like, I, I got to see all the bad years of the Chiefs. I got, to, I got to see all of our hopes just get diminished in the first round of the playoffs over and over and over again. I, I yeah. got to see us almost get there in 95 with Montana, which was great. And then after that, we just lived in this world of suck, you know? Uh, yeah. We were – not as bad as the Raiders, uh, not not in that level of suck, but <laughs> pretty close to that level of suck. I mean, we didn't go a decade without a winning season, which was nice. Yeah, hey, all right, but, now uh, you're laying on kind of thick, Scott. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I hate it, but at the same time, at the same time, you're right. I can't deny this. So, <laughs> hey, man, the truth hurts sometimes. It, it, that's, that's it really does. It, it really does, especially when you're a Raiders so. fan. It always hurts a little bit more. But hey, as a Chiefs fan, I was there with you for a long time, brother. Like uh, I, I wait. I'm really hoping that Gruden can get the team turned around and mm-hmm. he can get them really competitive again. Because let's be honest. I mean, yeah, Raiders, Chiefs fans, we don't like each other. Whatever during game day, we can normally get along outside of game day as long as we don't go to Oakland Coliseum, which that won't be an issue anymore. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> you know now. It's just I would love to see that high-level competition between the Raiders and the Chiefs again. And it's been a really, really long time since we've had it, and I think the AFC West kind of needs it as well. So I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm pulling for your team, but I would say that I would like to see your guys' team turn it around and start to be competitive. But I think your quarterback's going to have to get over the ghost he sees when he plays the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, so I, de- I definitely think that John Gruden and Mike Mayock have the team going in the right direction. And, you know, unfortunately, it's kind of stalled this season uh, due to a lot of injuries. But we got a lot of guys uh, coming back, like Henry Ruggs and Trent Brown are both back at practice. So that's going to uh, help the game improve quite a bit and everything. So, 
But, you know, there definitely is something to it that the AFC West is just more fun when when the uh, the Raiders and the Chiefs are are both really good and playing and playing really good football. I mean, it's you know, the Raiders kind of have that same that same mentality as like the the Lakers or the Yankees where, you know, a lot of people just absolutely hate them. And it's just a lot more fun when they're when they're pretty competitive and everything. So. So yeah. there's definitely is. I, I, I can't argue with that. Yeah. And so, you know, so real quick, I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, Super Bowl run that you guys made last year. So it was really, it was really impressive. You know, they went down early to the, uh, to the, who was it, to the Texans, down 24 nothing. Yeah. came back to win that one, yep. 51 to 31. And then they went down again, like 17 to 7 to the Tennessee Titans, came back to win that one. And then, of course, we're down, 10 points in the fourth quarter to the 49ers and still came back to win that one. You know, the entire time as I was watching those games, obviously I wasn't pulling for the Chiefs because, uh, you know, I am pure of heart and refuse to do such such a horrible thing. But, you know, it really amazed me just how even at the lowest of points that they were at where the entire team, especially on offense, was just like, it's okay, we're not going to panic. You know, with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey and that offensive line, they're all just going, all right, hey, we're gonna we're gonna keep at it. We're we're still in this. We we're too good to to not be out of this. And so there's absolutely no panic whatsoever, even down twenty four nothing in the second quarter to the Texans. It was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it it really was. And I think that's just a testament to Patrick, don't call me Pat Mahomes. Uh-huh. And just his his overall willpower to get the team to win. Um, it was really crazy to see. You know, you're, you're speaking of the Texans game, and what I loved watching in the Texans game was the body language. Mm-hmm. You know, in that first quarter, those Texans, man, they were flexing all over the field. They were hyped up. They were amped. You know, Watson was talking trash to Passano, like who's this guy and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And then next thing you know, by the end of the second quarter. They're losing. It was, it was and, uh, something and the else. body language had completely shifted. Like the, some of the Chiefs players were kind of down and out on the sideline in the first quarter until you saw uh, Patrick really get them amped up and back involved with the game, which I think that, that's a testament to the coaching staff as well, that, that being a part of that and making sure that that happened, dialing up the plays. And then uh, you just watch Patrick just take the Chiefs on this run. That was unbelievable. But really, like, the crazy thing about it is, is in that game against the Texans, everything was going wrong for the mm-hmm. Chiefs. Like, everything that you can imagine. Yeah. Drop pass after drop pass on, on third and short, you know, uh, the, the fumble or, or the block punt, excuse me, that we had that led to the touchdown. And a muff punt. Uh, it was yeah. just – yeah, it was just, you know, there was a, there was a lot that was – going on with the team that was just making it really bad and then you know the Patrick got the team rallied up and the defense man I I wish Frank Clark would talk trash about the upcoming opponent every single week <laughs> because when that guy talks trash oh my gosh that defense comes out on fire so it's really interesting it was a, it was great to see obviously a lot of luck came our way as any oh, yeah. Super Bowl team has to have throughout the season, you know, overcoming the injuries that we did because, my goodness gracious, it was our team ever facing injuries last year all the way to the run. Yeah. And um, 
you know, they just overcame that adversity. And that's really what you have to do to, to get to the Super Bowl and to win. And I think that's really a testament to the Patriots and Belichick as well. You know, um, obviously there's a lot of asterisks next to their Super Bowls, but it just goes to show like it <laughs> yeah. really takes a lot to get there. It really does. You know, the uh, the Chiefs definitely dealt with a lot of a lot of drama in the offseason with Tyreek Hill, uh, with the, the problem that he had with the domestic violence issues that turned out to be a nothing burger. And then also Tyreek Hill, yeah. Tyreek Hill was injured for a couple of games, including uh, week two against the Raiders. And, you know, the, uh, yeah. the death of the of the Chiefs was just really, really great. And, you know, uh, speaking of which, on uh, that week two and also against the Texans in the in the playoffs, a uh, huge spark plug was Mecole Hardman, who, when the Chiefs drafted him, a lot of people see saw it as just a really sneaky move because they already had one speedster in Tyreek Hill, and now they got two of them, and it's just been a huge disaster for the rest of the NFL covering both Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman now. And it was actually in the Texan game, it was that Mecole Hardman kickoff return that really started everything going for the for the Chiefs. Yeah, McCall Hardman has been um, a real spark plug at times during games, and he, he's he's a big factor for us. I I, I know that it's got to just. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs don't have a single wide receiver that runs under a four four like that runs over a four four two forty. Yeah, it's, so every it's single a, one of their guys are blazing fast, uh-huh. and that's just like we got guys on our practice squad right now that run four threes. You know, it's just like, oh, you run a four three. Yeah. Okay. You know, good luck. It is. Yeah. It it is definitely something else. And, you know, to have an offensive minded coach and Andy Reid who knows how to utilize them all very well. And it has so many motions where the defense has to stay on their toes and has to, has to really, you can't blink when you're on defense uh, against the chiefs, because if you blink then you miss something big and the guy's running right past you and, you know, Andy Reid is a huge part of that and Patrick Mahomes being able to having the talent, the arm talent and the NFL uh, acumen to be able to work all that. It is, it is absolutely, I hate watching it, but at the same time, I can't appreciate it. It is really, it is really fascinating. Yeah. Anytime you get a chance to catch the all 22 tape Mm -hmm. um, of the chiefs, that offense is just something ridiculous. And, you know, it, it really is a testament to what Andy Reid and Brett Beach have, have done there and the culture that they've they brought in with the help of Patrick. I mean, let's be honest, like, none of this goes without Patrick, right? Like, yeah. if, if Mahomes isn't on the team, you know, yeah, we'd still be competitive with an Alex Smith or something along those lines, but we wouldn't be where we are now. I mean, the greatness of Patrick Mahomes cannot be overstated enough, uh, but the, just the job that Reed and Beach have done and building this team and really set them up for years and years of success and have changed the overall culture. You know, we got rid of Barry, we got rid of D Ford, we got rid of Justin Houston. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the fans were really angry about that. And, you know, myself included, I was like, Hey, what are we doing? And then, but at the same time, like I realized what we were doing, we had to change the attitude on the team we had to change the the fight and now the chiefs are a team like you you were just talking about you know the, when you watch how they go in offense they just keep going they just keep going they're relentless so on defense you have to play an absolutely perfect game against this team for 60 minutes 
Mm-hmm. And then you have to hope that Patrick Mahomes and the offense is having a C game. Yeah. Because if they're if, if they're playing an A game and you're playing your best, you don't stand a chance. They'll blow you out. Oh, yeah. You can't run. I don't care what defense it is. If they're on their A game, you, you could take pro bowlers all from the NFC and AFC. And if the Chiefs offense is on their A game, they're probably going to beat those guys too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers, you know, for – what was like three quarters absolutely kept the uh, Chiefs in in check, and then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter the Chiefs figured it out and had, got everything going again. And so not even the Niners with that relentless pass rush and the excellent coverage that they have with their secondary and with their linebackers, you know, it was just it was just a matter of time and they figured it out and they were able to put up points even against arguably the best defense in the league last year. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you saw him do it just again Monday night on a really weird ordeal, you know. Mm-hmm. And Belichick, people can argue this as much as they want. He's the greatest defensive mind in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. Uh, his accolades prove that. They're, they're, the proof is in the pudding there. Um, and Reed's a, the most he, – he's the greatest offensive-minded coach of all time in the NFL. And so it's really cool to watch those two go on the chess match of each other. And that's the thing about like the Patriots versus all these other teams. Like you could, you can have all these other great teams and everything else like that. And you can, you can have a team full of superstars, but Belichick and Andy Reid are the only two coaches in the NFL right now that I see that are constantly playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Um, and when they get together, it is a full-blown chess match. Like, it's just crazy how Belichick can dial up his blitzes right when he knows that he needs to dial them up. And then on the next play, it's like Andy Reid knows what Belichick is about to do and calls the exact play that he needs to call in order to counteract what Belichick is getting ready to bring. And I love that part of the game. I, I love seeing that side of the game when you have two – brilliantly minded uh, coaches just sitting there and going blow for blow like a heavyweight, you know, boxing match. It's just great. Absolutely. That's that's one thing I absolutely love about football is, you know, everyone, a lot of people that don't like football, you know, especially here in Europe, you know, where they're like, oh, you guys, that's not football. This, this is football. And of course, we're talking about soccer. Um, you know, it's, they, they don't like that there's uh, that you have a play, everything goes on for like five or seven, ten seconds maybe, and then everyone stops and regroups and everything. But they don't really appreciate the chess match uh, that, that is involved with every single play. And even like the small plays within the play, you know, like, okay, this is what we're going to do, um, and this is the coverage I'm seeing, but you know what? Now I'm going to have to adjust the offensive line to uh, for this protection, and I'm going to have to uh, tell this wide receiver, you know, to change – to change his play and audible him a little bit while still maintaining everything else. So it's the chess match is absolutely unbelievable. And yet you're right. Andy Reed, he's one of the best at, uh, at, at doing it for my money. He is, he is definitely the best offensive minded coach in the NFL today. I don't know about all time, just because, you know, I've, I've really been paying attention to football for like the last 15 years or so. So, you know, to say all time is, is I, I'm not a good authority on that. I'm not going to disagree with anyone that says he's the best of all time, but, I don't have I don't I don't think I have the knowledge at least to go back in and confirm that. But uh so if he was a Raiders head coach, would he be the greatest <laughs> of all time? Um, 
<laughs> I tell you what, if you could get Derek Carter win a Super Bowl, heck yeah, you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there is something to that. So, yeah, so going, so going to this game, this is definitely a game. This is definitely the one place where uh, Derek Carr has never had success. You know, a lot of times Denver Broncos fans and Chargers fans, they get on me like, oh, Derek Carr sucks. I'm like, yeah, he sucks. I well, on Sunday, he just threw for, you know, 280 yards and two touchdowns against you guys, and they won. So, suck it. He doesn't suck. Uh-huh. Chiefs fans, I can't exactly do that to because they always seem to have his number. I mean, especially last year in the game, uh, I forgot what week it was. I want to say it was like week 13 or so in Kansas City. You know, Tyron Matthew came out and said that they knew where Derek Carr was going to go with the ball, and, and they just played, played to it. So, um, the Chiefs yeah. – so, if – if the Raiders have any chance of winning, Derek Carr is going to have to uh, break that, break whatever hoax it is or um, whatever, excuse me, not hoax, but whatever curse it is that he has in Kansas City and, you know, play up to his ability. So, you know, having Henry Ruggs and Trent Brown back is definitely going to help that, but, you know, it's it's still going to be on him to, to execute. So. Yeah. I mean, the big thing for you guys this, this week is, is Chris Jones going to play? Yeah. Because yeah. if Chris Jones is going to play, that's going to be a significant difference in the in the game plan. Because Chris Jones is just fed off of Derek Carr, so oh yeah, it's uh, you know I I'm I'm worried that Jones might not play, but you know we have some rookies uh, that are really like man Wharton. Goodness gracious, that kid has been impressive. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a Division two college, and you know a little little itty bitty school out here in Missouri and you know Kansas City picks him up and this guy he's just been an animal so <laughs> that's what I'm really interested to see in this matchup is mm. is Derek Carr going to get over the hurdle of thinking that the Chiefs are the schoolyard bully that he just cannot beat up because mm. right now when he gets into that game it seems to me it's like I've seen him play other teams and then I've seen him play the Chiefs and you could just see it in his eyes as he's going into the Chiefs like we saw out of the Lamar Jackson and the Ravens it's like Kansas City's this kryptonite or or the bully or or whatever the case may be but for me Carr's biggest issue in the Chiefs games is he he wants to do everything on schedule yeah um, from what I've seen from Carr when he, he struggles anytime a team forces him to stay on schedule because then they know exactly where he's going to put the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. He's, he's not exactly uh, prone to take risk and things like that. So, you know, they, they just, they just play a too high safety coverage and force everything down shallow. And then they jump all those underneath routes on them. It's like, it's like they're in the huddle sometimes with them and they know exactly what he's going to do. And, I think Carr is going to have to start doing things outside of schedule if he's going to have a chance against the, this Chiefs defense that seemed to have uh, an absolute lock on everything that he's doing. Uh, you know, you mentioned the uh, watching like the All-22 film. You know, I've, I've been doing that a little bit and watching like the last couple of weeks. And it's definitely like the Raiders running game has really been suffering for the last two weeks, especially. And teams are really starting to stack the box. You know, they're starting to... You know, however many blockers that the Raiders have up front, whether it be five, then, okay, we'll put six in there. If they have seven, okay, we'll put eight in the box. Whatever it is, they'll have just one more guy uh, there in the box because they know that the Raiders rely so heavily on the running game. 
And it has created this uh, opportunity for Derek Carr to go deep. Now, he started doing it a little bit against the Buffalo Bills uh, with, uh, with pretty good success uh, about when he, at least when he went deep and everything. So, but it didn't translate to it helping the running game. But definitely there are, there are yards and even points out there for Derek Carr to take if he can hang in the pocket for long enough, which I know he can do that. Can the offensive line protect him long enough? And then uh, will he take the shot and go for, go for the receivers that are downfield? If he can do that, um, then I think the Raiders will have a competitive game. If not, uh, then, then I think it's going to be another blowout. It'll be some, you know, 30, 35 something to, you know, 10, something like that, you know, if, you know, on, if, uh, yeah. if we're lucky. So uh, it's definitely going to be a lot on Derek Carr to push the ball uh, downfield. And if he doesn't do it, the Raiders are screwed. So the good news. Yeah. Hey. Uh, the good news is that I know Derek Carr can do it. I've seen him do it. And like I've said a couple of times before, we do have um, uh, Henry Ruggs back uh, for this game. And so he is a legitimate uh, downfield uh, deep threat for the Raiders for Derek Carr to do that. So, you know, hopefully. But uh, even if he does do that, I think it's only going to make the game competitive and uh, not necessarily I – don't, I really don't see a way in that the Raiders win this game, honestly. But – you know, maybe stranger things have happened. I guess, but but yeah, I, I'm yeah. I'm going to pick the Chiefs for uh, for this game. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Eric. I, I just you know, Kansas City would just have to come out and just not even show up. Mm. I think to lose this game, and Reed just doesn't do that in division games. Uh, he just will not allow his team to do that in a division yeah. game. So. Uh, you know, I know you guys will run the ball on us. Everybody runs the ball on the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I, let's just be honest. So, like anybody that wants to sit there and say that that's a weakness for the Chiefs, uh, get over yourself. It, it's You're not, not going to beat the isn't. Chiefs by running the ball. No. Yeah, it, it, we just don't give a shit. We get like once uh-huh. we care, we stop the run, and then we force teams to pass. Like you watch, if anybody watched the Ravens game, the Ravens were having success on the ground and stuff like that. They were it, it, Lamar Jackson wasn't hitting his throws, so they said, "All right, cool, we'll just shut down the run now." Uh-huh. And then they did. And it forced Jackson completely out of his realm, caused him to make all sorts of mistakes and everything else. And, and he, his passes were just as errant as they've always been. I don't I don't understand the love for that guy uh, in the national media, thinking that he's an actual quarterback. But anyways, mm-hmm. that, that's that's a different conversation for a different day. But yeah. uh, I think Jacobs will get his yardage. I, I imagine he'll probably have close to 100 yards, if not more. And – even with that being the case, the, the game could still be a, a total blowout uh, just because Kansas City just doesn't care if you run the ball. You're, you're, you're killing yourself slowly by doing that. So it's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do a death of a thousand cuts or do you just want to go straight to the guillotine? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> which, which one is it that you're after as a team? And teams that want to just sit there and try and run the ball because they think that keeping Patrick Mahomes off the, off the field is a smart thing to do. Well, yeah, I mean, the goal is to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, but you're not going to do that for four quarters. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs' defense is not going to allow it either. So you're going to get into a situation where once they want to dial it up and they want to shut down the run, then they're going to force you to pass. And that's exactly what Steve Spagnuolo wants. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what Tyran Matthew, Frank Clark, and Chris Jones want you to do too. Drop back and pass. 
you know, there, there definitely is this narrative that the Chiefs are susceptible to the run. And I say it's a narrative because I don't think I don't think it's true. Around week 11 last year is when the defense really showed up and they changed things and they were able to they made some adjustments and they were much more effective at stopping the run from there on. Uh, Brett Coleman, I, I, I reference him a lot on this uh, podcast. He's he's obviously not, you know, the end all be all of, of everything football. But he does have some really good insights. He made a really good video about it, about uh, the Chiefs and how they were able to make some adjustments to to stop the run, and it was really uh, probably one of the biggest things that they that they changed that helped them to to win the Super Bowl last year. So, if when the you're right, you know when the Chiefs when they when they need to or when they or when they want to, uh, they definitely have the ability to to stop the run. So, it's uh, definitely not a given. So. Uh, so obviously, when the Super Bowl last year, the uh, the Chiefs are the favorite to to go to the Super Bowl for the AFC this year. A lot of people are picking the the Ravens, but then the Chiefs just absolutely obliterated the Ravens here a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, as a Chiefs fan, as you're looking out, is there any teams in the AFC that you think could prevent the Chiefs from getting to the Super Bowl? Well, you know, you got to put the Patriots there because it's uh-huh. Belichick. And until proven otherwise, they need to be there in the conversation every year, regardless uh-huh. of who the quarterback is. I mean, they just came in with Brian Hoyer, who looked absolutely horrible against the Chiefs, and so did Jared Stidham, and they still only lost by 16. And seven of that was because of the Tyran Matthew interception late in the game, that yeah. pick six. It was a competitive game. Uh, AFC, what's that? It was a competitive game. Yeah, it so, really was. It yeah. was It was a lot more competitive than I think any Chiefs fan wanted it to be or thought it would be. Uh-huh. Uh, but the only team that really scares me in the AFC right now, um, and this isn't to be arrogant as a Chiefs fan or anything like this, is just matchups. Like, you got to look at what another team does really well versus your team and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And, boy, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers for me. Yeah, so I'm going to edit that so that uh, you so it sounds like you said the Raiders, uh, you know, before I publish this uh, this podcast. <laughs> but you know, um, but uh, yeah, definitely, I gotta agree with you because if there I, there isn't a formula to beat the Chiefs, there really isn't, um, because you do have to have the coverage, uh, the personnel for coverage, and the personnel for to create natural pass rush, and then even after all that, you still have to have the offensive weapons to be able to fight back when they, when the chiefs, when your defense does screw up and the chiefs take advantage of it and score big points. So I definitely think that the Steelers are up there just because they have the natural pass rush ability uh, with uh, TJ Watt and with Bud Dupree, they have um, mostly good coverage and Ben Roethlisberger for all of his faults and for all of his, um, for all of his uh, rape accusations, he is a he is a good quarterback, and he does have uh, some pretty good weapons out there to to take advantage of them. So uh, definitely, I think that the that that would be an interesting matchup the the Steelers and the Chiefs in the playoffs to to see who goes to to Super Bowl. But again, I'm just going to edit that to make it sound like you said the Raiders. So okay you're more than welcome to edit it how you'd like um i don't know that any of your raiders fans on the podcast and this is an excellent podcast by the way eric but i just i i think that they would have to be really high on bath salts or whatever it is that the oakland fans that have now uh moved to my area of las vegas 
uh, would like to, you know, whatever it is that they're on now, Adesa, you probably <laughs> yeah. have a better inside thread on that than I do. I'm, uh, yeah. you know, but <laughs> you know, one thing, one thing about some seriously good drugs to believe that. <laughs> absolutely. You know, one thing about Raiders fans is we're at least honest with ourselves about it. Like, no, man, if you're saying that we're good, that we're going to win the Super Bowl, no, shut the hell up. We, we know, we know you're stupid. We know it's not going to happen. Okay. So, you know, um, yeah. I definitely say people talk about some of the worst fan bases out there. And in the AFC West, I definitely still think it's the Broncos. I mean, for crying out loud, they're, they're arguing with me about how Case Keenum was a top five quarterback and how Joe Flacco was an elite quarterback and that both those guys were going to take him to the Super Bowls and all that. I'm like, you guys have got to be kidding me. Um, but yeah. definitely up there with the worst fan bases. I have to, you know, I have to say the Raiders are up there. But they are at least honest with themselves. So if I if I did edit it to make it seem like that, they they'd at least call me out on that. So I, I, I compare Broncos fans to Bama and Sooners fans. Uh-huh. It's like they have this type of entitlement, you know, that they just think like, well, it doesn't matter who we have because we got John Elway running our team, which has <laughs> yeah. obviously been one of the dumbest mistakes that any NFL team has ever made in their history. And they continue to allow them to run the team and the organization. And they just I, – I couldn't believe the trash talk from the Broncos fans uh, coming onto, like, a lot of our websites. You know, yeah. It gets, it gets pretty ridiculous. And stuff like that. And it talking gets... trash to Chiefs fans after we just got done completely dem- – yeah, we just demolished them, and they're like, Drew Locke is a stud. He's a <laughs> I'm like, the dude averaged 200 yards passing per game, and you guys are already considering him the next Messiah. I didn't realize he walked on water to get to the game. Like, yeah. And then he shows up, and then what happens? Like, he just gets his ass kicked. And really, I never saw anything from Drew Locke because I'm a big SEC fan. I'm a huge Auburn fan. So mm-hmm. um, I watched. I watch a lot of those SEC games, and I was never impressed with Drew Locke. Never once. I was yeah. at no point in time did I sit there and say, "Man, he's going to make it in the NFL, and he's going to be a hell of a starting quarterback." Hey, hey real NFL. quick, Scott. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. Him. Scott, real quick. Hey, I'm going to have to cut you off here, real quick. We're going to have to take a quick break because I can only record. Okay, and we're back. Sorry about that, guys. I'm only able to record about half hour segments at a time, so uh, we're getting there. But you know, I definitely agree with you. Broncos fans are are some really delusional people and they are talking about how drew lock is you know the second coming of john elway and i'm just i just i honestly don't see it he's had one good game against the texans everything else he hasn't even been mediocre he aspires to mediocrity i mean so he's his numbers in his uh, first few games are similar to that of josh allen so there definitely is hope but you know for every josh allen you know in his rookie season you know, they didn't pan out to be what Josh Allen is today. So, you know, to say that he's going to be just like Josh Allen, you know, that's that's going up against the odds right now. So I definitely think it's yeah. uh, it's kind of I'm – de- I'm definitely right there with you that uh, Broncos fans are pretty damn delusional. Well, I think they're delusional to even compare him to Josh Allen. Number one, Drew Locke doesn't have near the arm that Josh Allen does. Josh Allen's got – He's not as fast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's got yeah, him and Patrick Mahomes. I want to see that throw off. I I would love when Kansas City plays the Bills here in a couple weeks for Mahomes just to throw a seventy-five yard bomb in the air and just be like, "All right, bro, beat that." Yeah, that's (laughs) (laughs) just be like, "Beat that, dude." But the the other thing that Allen has over Drew Locke is size, Uh speed, 
Ian, he seems to, Allen is seeming to get it in between the ears. Mm-hmm. Where Locke, I don't. Locke is obviously not there yet. He had, just hasn't had the experience yet. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that Josh Allen is going to be a great quarterback or is a great quarterback. He's playing very, very well right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the competition of the teams that he's played so far, I, I don't think is great. Uh, but you know, he's putting up numbers. He's doing a good job. But to sit there and think that Drew Locke and Josh Allen are on the same page, I in the same you know, tier, I think is silly. And that's exactly what a Denver Broncos fan would think. Yeah. At best, (laughs) at best, it's premature to say that, you know, so, you know, uh, at worst it's, it's absolutely 100% delusional, but you know, the truth is probably somewhere in between. Definitely. We'll see. Um, I do know that uh, Josh Allen doesn't have the injury history that uh, Drew Locke has right now. So that's, that's uh, looking pretty bad, but, but yeah, all right. So yeah. that's enough talking uh, trash on the Donkeys fans. I mean, we can you know say fuck the Broncos all we want, and you know we and we'd uh, we we just love it. You know, just going off like that. But so yeah, that'd be a two week long podcast. <laughs> we have to keep recording these thirty minute conversations over and over and over again. <laughs> exactly, and like every five minutes, we just have to stop and say, all right, hey, and by the way, fuck the Broncos. So yeah, yeah and by the way, <laughs> fuck the Broncos. No. All right, so hey, so. But at least their GM and their mascot look like the same. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, there is that. At least they're not wrong. I can't tell when their mascot's on the field or if John Elway's on the field celebrating. I haven't been, I haven't been able to tell the difference. So I just wanted to get that in real quick. You're definitely not wrong. That's uh, There's definitely not a lot of truth to that. So, all right. So, anyway. Um, so game time predictions. All right, so it's my podcast. I'll get to go first. So game time predictions. Okay. I think, you know, I think uh, until I see Derek Carr play well in Kansas City, I'm just not going to. Uh, I'm just not going to predict that he does play well in Kansas City. So uh, I hate to do this, but I'm going to say 38 to 10 Kansas City. What do you 38 got? 38 to 10 Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you got, Scott? I've I was going to go with a 35 to 16 is what I was thinking it was going to be. Yeah. um, I think that one of your guys' players, probably Waller, is going to sneak through for a touchdown at some point, and then you guys will have a couple couple field goals in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to go with 35 to 16. That's that's what I'm thinking it's going to be. I think you guys will get a touchdown and about three field goals. Okay. So there it is, a uh, 38 to 10 from the Raiders fan, and uh, the Chiefs fan is a little bit nicer going 35 to 16. So, all right, so one more thing, Scott, before I let you go here. You said that you uh, have a home in Las Vegas. What are your, have you seen the new stadium? What are, what are your impressions of it? I have seen the new stadium. I, I drive by it pretty regularly and frequently, and that new stadium I tell you what, man, if your guys' team played as well as that stadium looks, you guys would already be the favorites for the Super Bowl because that, yeah. that stadium is badass, man. I cannot wait to attend a game there. Uh, It'll neither, be a lot of fun. Neither can I, man. You know, sometime uh, when the uh, Chiefs come out to play the Raiders, hopefully I'll be back in the States. We'll, we'll get together. We'll, uh, we'll hit that game up. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, I would love that, man. It would be a great time. Yeah, absolutely. So especially, I mean, if nothing else, 
you know, if I'm going to watch the Raiders lose, at least I'm going to be in Las Vegas with all those distractions and all the other things that are going on there to make it cool, to make it a cool trip. So at least I'll have that going for me. But, uh, Hey man, I, I've been out in Vegas since 2011. So don't worry, buddy. When the Chiefs come out there and they smash your faders on your home turf in Vegas, I'll take you out to some nice places to drown your sorrows. <laughs> It'll be a good time. Sounds good, man. Well, hey Scott, uh, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna let you go. We're gonna wrap this up. Hey man, thanks a lot, dude. That was a lot of fun, man. Take care. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on your show today. All right, yeah, man. And one last, fuck the Broncos. Yeah, fuck the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take, one, yeah, take care, man. Bye, Bye. All right, so many thanks to uh, Scott there for uh, his insights there on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I really hate to pick against the Raiders, but honestly, I think the Chiefs are just at a different level than the Raiders are right now. I do like the direction that the Raiders are going in, and I think that real quickly they can become contenders. Before they become contenders, the Raiders have got to get some form of pass rush uh, one way or another. Until they do that, they are not going to get anywhere. And really the way to beat the Chiefs is to have – we talked a little bit about it with the Pittsburgh Steelers, is that they you've got to be able to create that natural pass rush. With uh, By natural pass rush, I mean you know rushing four people. And uh, the, the Raiders just don't have it right now for whatever reason. Even though they got Max Crosby, they signed Malik Collins, and – it seems like on one play, Max Crosby will create pressure. On another play, even Cleveland Farrell will be able to create pressure. Uh, but it's never together at the same time. And anytime that they do, there's never any push there from the inside. And any and on the rare instances that there is pressure on the inside, there's no pressure from the outside from Crosby or Farrell. So it is absolutely, absolutely horrible. But anyway, so thanks for listening, guys. Uh, again, I uh, shout out to Scott for joining me. I think it was, it was a lot of fun having him on there. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday, guys, and let's hope for a Raiders victory. I know I didn't predict one, but, hey, I've been wrong before when I uh, predicted the Saints to beat the Raiders, so I'm definitely not uh, I'm definitely not 100% of this. So I'm really hoping for a very good competitive game, and I think that they can have a competitive game if Derek Carr comes out and plays up to how he's able to play. So uh, I, I really hope it happens. Anyway, hey, guys, take care. Once a Raider, always a Raider.